0: In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear Saints, being a Christian would be very easy and very simple and very enjoyable except for one tiny little thing. That's everybody else. In fact, people for the most part have no trouble loving God, as you saw in the parable for today. Loving a perfect, merciful, gracious, and forgiving God, no sweat. It's loving your neighbor that is hard. Loving those around you, loving those who are different, loving those who are unlovable, unholy, unrighteous, poor, and miserable, and sinners. This is difficult. And yet no matter how difficult it is, God's word remains, love your neighbor as yourself. So when people leave the church to join another, they do this oftentimes because they simply can't stand the sight of their neighbor anymore. They can't tolerate the people around them. They can't even stand to look at them, let alone kneel down and commune with them at the same altar. For some reason or another, somewhere along the line, something happened that makes them stop loving their neighbor. And even though it's only an individual or a family or a small handful of people who may cause the grief and anxiety and sorrow for this person, and even though the majority of people in the congregation have been loving and kind and caring, they leave them all behind. And you can pick up on this when people say that their old church didn't feel like a family, that it didn't feel like a community. And that may or may not be the case. Sometimes the reasons are legitimate, and sometimes they're not. Sometimes people have really, truly been hurt by others, and sometimes people make mountains out of molehills. But God's word remains. Regardless of the reason, whether it's legitimate or not, they still choose to leave instead of love. It's for this reason you get this term, church hoppers, There's people who jump around for a short time from church to church because they can't and don't want to resolve the conflict they have with others. They don't want to confront their neighbor in love. They don't want to work to love their neighbor, no matter how deeply they've been hurt. And whenever people do this, they're admitting that they've chosen to no longer love these people. Rather, they've chosen to leave them. Simply get up and walk out the door, and never look back. And as bad as this is, as bad as, as, bad as it is uh, to leave the people God called you to love, to turn your back on the people who God put before you, woe to you who cause others to leave. When you gossip and slander, and when you bicker and fight, when you can't live peaceably with others who put their trust in God simply because they hold a different opinion about the budget or the administration or the lights or the colors of the wall from you, you too are guilty of not loving your neighbor. You're both guilty of the same sin, not loving it's, the, it's only the mode that is different here. One hates and doesn't love through aggression, and the other hates and doesn't love through abandonment. And we're all here because we believe in the Word of God, but God have mercy on you if you cause any one of your neighbors to stumble on account of your behavior and conduct. When you refuse to speak lovingly to one another... When you refuse to be kind and gentle, when you put the worst construction on every single look, every gesture, every word from your brother and sister, woe to you. The truth is this life is already difficult enough. You all, all of you, have troubles and trials. You all have gone through sad and heartbreaking tragedies. You all have wept bitter tears and sadness. This is true. Remember that everyone here in this church is carrying a cross and a heavy burden on their back. And we all get persecuted enough from the world. So why are you making life as a Christian worse by attacking each other? And the world slanders us enough. Why add to it with our own? The world scoffs and mocks us endlessly. And why do we side with them? The world looks down on us and calls us fools for believing the word of God and trusting in him. So why do we call each other fools and look down on one another? And yet so often we do. So often we add insult to injury. We're not only guilty of leaving those whom God has called us to love, but we're also guilty of causing others to leave Because of our lack of love. And there's no excuse for this. God has called each and every one of us to love each and every person around us. Whether they are a Christian or not. Whether they are part of this church or not. Whether they are our friends or not. Whether they are loving and kind to us or not. There's absolutely no excuse to not love someone. And if you begin to excuse yourself, if you begin to come up with some reason as to why you're right, as, as why you're right for not loving someone, then remember that you're only doing what the lawyer in today's gospel lesson did. You're seeking to justify yourself whenever you seek to justify yourself, whenever those thoughts come up to defend yourself, you're, or, you're also at the same time admitting that you have indeed done something contrary to the law. When you try to justify the fact that you haven't loved your neighbor, you are in fact admitting that you haven't loved your neighbor first. When you give a reason and an excuse as to why you don't love certain people, why you write them off, You are admitting that you don't love certain people. Those who seek to justify themselves know that they stand condemned and they're trying to get out of it. We can't deny the obvious, so we oftentimes try to give an excuse for it. We try to find a way out by asking, well, who is my neighbor? But whenever we refuse to love our neighbor, what's sad is that we also are refusing to love God. Not only does God call us to love our neighbor, but he also teaches us that we cannot love him if we don't love our neighbor. 1 John 4 says it this way. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And yet we try so hard to separate this love. We try so hard to claim that we're children of God while hating our brothers. But the law of God is love. So true love means loving both God and your neighbor. You cannot separate these two. Jesus unites this love so much that in Matthew 25, he teaches us that whenever you have done uh, and whenever you have served and loved one of those around you, you have done it for Christ. And he also teaches in that text that however you have sinned against those around you, however you have not loved them, you have also sinned and failed to love Christ. To love your neighbor is to love God, and to love God is to love your neighbor. Faith in God and love toward your neighbor are inseparably connected. Now, the truth is, uh, most sermons will probably stop right about here. Most turn the parable of the Good Samaritan into a moral lesson by only preaching to you the law. And this law will threaten you when you haven't done it, when you haven't loved. And it will show you how you failed to love so often. And it will tell you who to love and how to love. But what the law cannot do is give you the ability to love. So I can stand here and all pastors can stand here and turn blue in the face, preaching this, teaching, exhorting and admonishing you to love one another, to love your neighbor as yourself. But no matter how much you learn, your heart won't love on its own. The law won't motivate you to love. It won't inspire you to love. It won't give you the love you don't have in your heart already. So the reason the sermon won't end here today is because Jesus' words don't end here today. Although Jesus preached the law to this man who sought to justify himself. He didn't preach the law in order so so that that man might know what he can do to be saved. Jesus preached the law so that lawyer, so that you and that me, so that all of us might know how much we need to be saved. Jesus preaches the law which demands love. And this law demands what we don't have. It commands a love that we cannot give. It requires a work that we cannot do. It's not because the law is unreasonable. It's that we in our sin are incapable of doing the simple command of loving one another. It's not God's fault we can't accomplish his law. It's ours. But when Jesus preaches this parable, he's not simply teaching you how unloving you are. He's also teaching you at the same time his great love for you. As he shows you how much you don't have love for others, he at the same time is showing you the love he has come to give you. While Jesus tells this parable of what the law requires, he at the same time is telling you what he has come to do for you. Because he has come to fulfill the law for you. The love that the the law requires has been fulfilled by God himself who loves you. While the lawyer asks who he needs to be a neighbor to, in this one parable, Jesus shows him the type of neighbor the man isn't. And also the type of neighbor that Jesus is going to be to him. In other words, when this lawyer asks who is my neighbor, with this parable Jesus is saying, I am. Jesus is the good Samaritan, the one who found us for dead, who bound our wounds and brought us back to life. When Christ came down from his glorious throne in heaven, when he came to this veil of tears, he didn't look around and ask, Who is my neighbor? Who should I take care of? Who is worthy of my love? Who deserves my affection? He didn't consider your race, your language, your age, your goodness, or your love before saving you. He simply loved you and every single person who was lying lifeless on this earth. He loved the entire world that was beaten down at the same time and bruised and left for dead. He loved the entire world that was set before him. He loved everybody else more than himself. He put you first above him, above his whatever he hungered for and thirsted for. He hungered and thirsted for your salvation more than you did your own. And he became the neighbor none of us were to him. And he became the neighbor that none of us were to one another. And when he saw you in the distance, beaten down in your sins, lying in a pile of your filth, face down in the dirt of ungodliness, his eyes were filled with love for you. When he saw your body wasting away, bleeding out on the ground, He had compassion on you. Though he had nothing to do with you, he became your neighbor, your friend, your savior. He went to the cross to heal your wounds with his own wounds to give you life by giving up his. He put life back into your body by draining the life from the holes in his while you were still justifying yourself, still driving others away with your lovelessness while you were being beaten, bruised and busted by your own sins and the sins of others against you. And while though through all of these sins, you did the same things to him, he didn't turn his face from you. He turned his face towards you all the more. And he dropped everything and he cared for you. He bound your mortal wounds by forgiving your sins. And he brought you back to health by bringing you to the inn of his church. He found you as the victim of the devil, a victim of your own sins, and he healed you. This is the love that the law requires. And this is the love that Jesus gives. Though he had every reason to walk on by, he didn't want to. He stayed and he loved you. And he fulfilled the law by not excluding you from his love. So when you're confronted by the reality of your sin and by the lovelessness of your heart, of all the times you've driven people away and all the times you've abandoned those whom God has called you to love, when you begin to fall into despair because you know you haven't kept God's law, when you realize that you are the one who is helplessly lying on the side of the road, don't despair. Don't despair because Jesus, your good Samaritan, has seen you and he has found you. And today he has come to bind up your wounds once again. When you feel the hatred and anger and bitterness and lovelessness coursing through your veins when your sins haunt you and beat you down for all the times you failed to love people around you when your conscience is weighing on you for all the times you were so mean and so unkind and so unloving to one another don't for a second despair because even if you've been beaten up and are as good as dead in your sins and wickedness on the side of the road Jesus will not pass you by He will not look the other way. Even though he attends to thousands upon thousands of things in this world, don't you dare for a second think he's too busy for you, too busy to care for you, too busy to forgive you, too busy to heal you, too busy to love you and have compassion on you and crown you with salvation. No matter how many times you may find yourself beaten up and left for dead, Jesus will continue to go out of his way to lift you up again. Jesus will always love you and give you life. He will always be your neighbor, your savior, and your friend. He will always make time to heal your wounds and love you, no matter how unloving and unlovable you have been. And his love, his love alone is what motivates us to love. It's what inspires us. It's what gives us the love that we are lacking so much. The law tells us to love and it threatens us when we don't. But it's the gospel and the gospel alone that gives you the ability to do it. When you hear these words, your hearts are filled with the love of Christ. We love because he first loved us. So, go and do likewise. Go and love your neighbor. Go and love those who are so unloving and unlovable. Just as Christ loved you when you were the same. Don't refuse to love one another by leaving. And don't cause others to leave on account of your aggression. Love, not to earn God's love, but because he has already loved you. Have mercy on one another. Bear one another's burdens. Cover your neighbor's faults with love. And when the day comes that you find yourself not loving as God has already loved you, Remember that your refusal to love can only be conquered by the abounding love of Christ. So come to church and hear and remember your baptism and hear the word of God and receive the Lord's Supper. Remember Christ, your good Samaritan, who showed himself to be a neighbor to you and who showed himself to have mercy on you. And go and do likewise. Amen. Here the words of the hymn we just sang. This love, unwearied, I pursue, and dauntlessly to thee aspire. O may thy love, my hope, renew, burn in my soul like heavenly fire, and day and night be all my care to guard this sacred treasure there. In suffering, be thy love, my peace, and weakness, be thy love, my power. And when the storms of life shall cease, O Jesus, in that final hour, Be thou my rod, my staff, and guide, and draw me safely to thy side. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.